Hello. Oh, hello. Hang on. All right, now hello. Hello. You're you're here. You're you're here and there. I'm I'm here. I'm you're there. here. You're I'm in the everywhere. you're in the space. Here, yeah. Welcome, welcome to uh, Food Safety Talk uh, Challenge Podcast, where we where we eat things that make people sick. No. Wait, what? No, no, we're not doing that, are we? Do you want to? I so I got stuff today. Like I, Don, I took I made notes. We don't have a doc. Some mm. people have docs. Um, we well, are. We docs. do have a doc, but not not for this podcast. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, okay, so uh, here's a, well, here's I'm glad that you made notes because. Ben, I don't know how much you've been keeping up with the food safety world. There's oh, a lot to talk oh, about. Oh my gosh, Don, we got so much. That's not where I want to start, of course. <laughs> I don't want to start with food safety. I want to start with some some other stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of food safety stuff going on. Um, I got some fizzy water. Oh, it's recording. I just wanted to make sure that yep, that yep, yep, that's good. That's we're happening. all good. Yep. Um, so one one thing I'm gonna tell you. Um, the, there's a little bit of echo. Do you hear it? Because I'm in my 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 office. Oh, there, a no, bit, not really. A little, well, so okay. there's a little bit of echo, but I'm I'm building a, a podcast studio. Did you know this? No. Well, not not really. But I'm moving. Um, I'm, move, I'm moving house. Moving house is home, as they say. Oh, in the UK, but not really. Moving huh? offices. I'm really confused. I know. In a year, I'm going to be going to a new building, and. Mm. Because the current building this. has a crack in it. Current building has a crack. Current <laughs> building. Current building. Uh, well, currently, there's. I'll, I'll send you a picture of this. Current current building situation is there is a very large crane still directly outside of my office window. Okay. Doing doing things with road stuff and girders. There's no longer a porta potty, um, but uh, but there is there's a crane that um, you'll you'll see this in a minute. It's uh, it has it's going to be lifting stuff. I think it's got two big two big lifty lifty straps, um, and it's moving girders to make a bridge that that has been happening now for two years. It takes it's a it's a lot it's a lot to make a bridge, Don. So it, it takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> a bridge it takes a crane um, and a village. So all right. So and this building where you are, that's also where Dinah's kitchen is. Yes. Yes. Okay. Dinah's, Dinah's so kitchen. your yeah. your office is moving. Dinah's kitchen is staying there. Correct. There's a crack in the building. Yes. Um. The who are some people from your department staying in that building? Some people are, and some people are okay. moving. But it, it all it all oh gosh my I don't know what happened to my voice there. It all comes back to this this crane because the reason why we're moving is that. Uh, the uh, the university. I actually don't know all the, all the ifs, ands, and buts about this, but let's just say that the state of North Carolina Department of Transportation decided to expand a road. And, oh, an eminent domain. I, but I don't know right? if that's the like. I think it was more of a like land swap situation where they wanted to expand through one of our buildings, not where Dinah's oh. Kitchen is. Yeah. Well, so thank goodness. So those buildings no longer exist. But the money oh. that that was like that that those buildings cost goes into renovating another building on campus, so the people that were in those buildings can go into different space. Is that are you tracking? Oh, okay, so it wasn't happening? it wasn't a land swap? It was a well, we're I, gonna we're gonna take this land, we're gonna tear down this building because we need to put the road here. Yes. Um, 
but we're going to give you some money for that. Yeah, we're going to buy. Okay. We're going to buy it on the. You know, we're we're buy, It's not on the open market. Like you and right, I could not have right. bid on this. Um, right. But well, because it's North Carolina. It's the it's the state of North Carolina doing business with the state of North Carolina. Right. 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 Yes. Pretty much. So. The, let's let's get back to why I will have, soon have a podcast a studio. So as, as part oh, of, oh oh yeah, oh, it's so all it's all follow the thread, Don. It's all connected. All right, I, I started to come together. I, yeah. I think I can see it. So because I will be physically moving my office to this new building, there are design features that can be part of this. And I, you, you don't know this. Well, I mean, you might know it because we do every once in a while spend time together in person. But the people that are around me in my office know this. Don, I'm a I'm what they call a loud talker. Loud talker. I I am also. Yeah, yes, that's I've been what told. Yeah, that's what we do, right? Like yeah, that's what well, makes us. That's what makes no, us. I mean, some people podcast. say loud talker. I would say talker. Talk. Right. Right. Ben, we profess. We, we, it is part of our. It's our part. Part of our job to profess. And we are. I I think performing. Right. Yes, this is it's, yes. this is not performative. That's different. It's professive. Um, it's professive. But we, yeah, we we are, um, we're we're performing our our podcast, and that takes a special type of voice that we that we <laughs> that that we have, um, that uh, many others have. But we're I, I just I talk loud when I talk on on podcasts. So yeah. I we're I, I have we're, we're building in sound baffling, um, that nice. is custom to my new office that because of, uh, because of, I'm podcasting with more people around. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. So I don't know what so your, your new office will be both an office and a podcast studio. Yes, it will. Do, yes. That is wow. that, like 100% true. Um, there will be, um, uh, there will be a microphone cause that's needed. There'll be headphones. It, it will be less echoey there. There will be sound baffling there. There is uh, extra sound, proofing in the ceiling tiles and things that hang from the ceilings there'll be extra sound deadening things on the wall like it's going to be what are they it's i i think this there's probably like an official term but let's just call this a faraday box for the voice that that that's what's happening faraday cage i think is what you're thinking well it's it was more of a box on uh to be truthfully uh, truthful but yes faraday cage faraday cage for the voice so so wait so i got i got some questions here about logistics so yes all right. So there's a building that's getting knocked down. Yes. Has it been knocked down yet? Yes. Okay. Gone. Where Where are the people that were in that building that was knocked down? Well, it's a bit of a touchy situation, Don. Um, okay. Well, I shouldn't say that. They, they are in what the university calls a temporary space. Okay. Where we, we have a building on campus that is is used for swing space or temporary space during renovations and building. Okay. So So they they are there. Okay, um, but now let, let me ask another question. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. your your office uh-huh. has not been demolished. Correct. Because you're you're in it. I'm in it right um, now. I'm in I'm, I'm, yeah. Full, is I'm, it going to eventually be demolished? It will not. No, because so, uh, we, so wait, so how yep. come you get to move? Well, so we're we're reorganizing the entire okay. um space of the department. And okay. Um, and and what what's going to happen is there will be a few faculty that remain in in Dinah, Dinah's kitchen building. Mm-hmm. Um, the one of them is going to get your office. Well, my office might turn into a conference room. 
but yeah. Okay. okay. But maybe, but maybe they will get my office. Um, and this is, uh, you know, things in the university system don't move particularly fast. So we're in the process of doing this for June, 2023. Um, so I will right. be in this build, I've been in this building for like another year, but right. like FS food safety talk episode 300 <laughs> is going to be in a different office um with a podcast podcast studio that's what i'd like to call it okay um so yeah i will be moving um many of my colleagues will be moving the people that work closely with the kitchens on a daily basis will all stay here except for me because because i'm i'm an administrator now you're administrator yeah i got i'm gonna go i gotta go be with the people and i want yeah so um yeah so so that anyway the but the pot it's gonna sound less echoey eventually If, if if you, the listener, I'm talking to the listeners now, Don, sorry, mm-hmm. not you, not you, the listener, Don, but that the listeners, the unnamed listener, if you, the listener uh, can stick it out for another 30 or 40 episodes, it's going to get a lot less echoey on my end um, in, in the future. So that's, that's my promise to you. <laughs> got it. Well, cool. Yeah. Okay. So I got more stuff that was, that wasn't even on the list. <laughs> I want to tell you about um, some stuff that I, that I've like, so do you, you know about the kids in the hall? Do you know? I do. It's a Canadian thing. It's a Canadian thing. There is a just lovely documentary series on um, uh, the prime prime video, the, the Amazon thing, um, mm-hmm. a, a documentary about the kids in the hall and their origins. Um, and oh, cool. it's very, I'm, I'm, I just want to want to tell you it is, it's, it's delightful. That's a word, you know, delightful is a word that I, that, um, that I, I think I have picked up from you. I think it's a word that you use that I've never used before, but I like the way that it, it makes me feel. Yeah. Um, it, it is it, it, like the, the, in fact, I'm just Googling delightful. That's not what I want to do. I want to see the documentary. <laughs> um, it, it, it is a very descriptive word that I um, th- that I think about quite a bit now when I uh, when I describe things that I really really like watching. And so, yeah, that documentary is is is, is delightful. I, can I tell you about another documentary that's delightful? Sure. Um, <laughs> And it's no, it's no secret to, to you and I about our political leanings, right? Like this is not a, okay. So there is a documentary that I watched last week um, about four seasons, total landscaping, (laughs) not the four seasons hotel in downtown Philadelphia, four seasons, total landscaping where Rudy Giuliani held a press conference um, after uh, um, soon after the 20, 20 election wait I can't, I can't believe that there's a, there's enough uh-huh. there to make a documentary about yeah is that the right year it's 2020 yeah yeah oh there's enough and it's and again don it's delightful it's on peacock and it's on hulu um and i think it's called total or it's called uh four seasons, four seasons total. total documentary yeah, yeah which is a great name yeah it um, is so I, my my homework to you is to watch one of those documentaries um, and the kids in the hall is multiple episodes. Like it's a, uh, you know, there's, there's two that are out there now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's lovely. They're, they're both, they're both delightful. Um, 
All right, you. I got other stuff I want to so, talk about this. So, well, let me let me let me yeah. let me tell you uh, one uh, one thing. Um, oh, this is not it though. Um, so we are we are watching um, the time traveler's wife. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which is not the not the motion picture from right. two thousand and nine, a- but a new thing that's being um, run show run by uh, what's this, what's this, but the uh, timey wimey guy. Um, uh, timey wimey. Uh, yeah. The guy, the guy that was the, the Dr. Who showrunner, um, Stephen Moffat. Yes. Yes. Oh, did I lose you? I'm here. Oh <laughs> yes. I, just, I, I thought there was more to that. No, was, no. <laughs> Stephen Moffat, time traveler's wife. Yeah. We're watching it. Stephen Moffat, it's very yeah. good. Good, good. Um, you know, my 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 wife, who is the one who decides, you know, what what television we watch for the most part, um, was not really like the book sounded kind of stupid because it was an Oprah book club book and it just didn't seem good. But she's like, oh well, if, if but if Stephen Moffat is doing it, then it's got to be good. And, and in fact, it is. So I, I don't know how true it is to the source material or the the film, um, but it's but it's really good. Oh, good, good, good. Well, that that's a book that I, I'm pretty sure Danny read, and I think she is. It is on our list of oh, okay. things to watch. Well, it's I, I can, can recommend. Good. Okay. So good. 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 Recommend. Good. Excellent. Um, I have one other thing that you're not going to be able to find, but I want to tell you that I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a um, this is a, a this is a niche that I think you're mm-hmm. you're really going to love. Um, there is a TV show, um, uh from 2005 and 2006 that aired in Canada, of course, where that's where I lived at the time called the tournament, which is about, Uh it is a mockumentary show, which I don't even think we call it that anymore, but back Hmm. then it was in the style of the office Hmm. and parks and rec about a community minor hockey team um, and the parents that are involved. So (laughs) sounds really good. Yeah, it's and it and I, I don't want to build it up. It's not. I mean, we're we're not talking not high great. rate. We're, yeah, it's not the best. Like the acting, Don. It's we're. This is not a. It's not Emmy worthy. Um, but it's pretty good for Canada, is what you're saying. <laughs> that that I mean, it's possible. Um, <laughs> it's not even. It's not even Emmy. Whatever the Canadian equivalent of an Emmy. I, I think it's called it's the Genie. I, I believe it's okay. called the Genie Awards. Um, no, okay. it, it is. It's not. Um, it was remade. Oh, I just, I just received or received this information from uh, this just in from Wikipedia. It was remade in the UK as the cup and adapted to be about a junior soccer team. Hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know anything about that, um, but I will investigate that now. But this, I watched this in 2005 in real time in Canada, being that it was on the CBC, um, mm-hmm. the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, uh, and it was about hockey, so I was going to watch it, right? Like, I'm, it's yeah. in my, yeah. Why not? It's yeah. in my niche. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I, I then purchased it on Apple Movies or what, mm-hmm. whatever uh, it was. Apple, oh, may- Apple TV. Yeah, the Apple TV thing, um, maybe seven years ago. Oh, um, okay. And watched it again because I was, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I'm re-watching it now for the third time with my family, Hmm. Um, and mainly my 13 year old who plays youth hockey. Yes. The 11 year old is not as, as into this show. Um, mm-hmm. he finds it a little slow, but the 13 year old thinks it's funny mainly because he, this, like it, he feels that if it is very much what he experiences yeah, exactly. as a minor hockey yeah. player. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's, it's quite, it's quite good. 
Um, okay. Well, I, let me go back. I don't know if it's quite good. It's it, it it's is good enough for you and your 13 year old son to watch. It is exactly. Great. Exactly. It's yeah. It's in your wheelhouse, as they say. It is very much in my wheelhouse. If you could predict a show, you know, maybe if it had mountain biking and the tragically hip <laughs> in it, those are the only two things that are missing. <laughs> Um, okay, so that that those are things I'm watching. Other things on my list before we get into mm-hmm. food safety things. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did another run, mm. um, and this was a different type of run. Anyway, I'm telling you this because it is there is still affecting my body. Oh, okay. Um, so so I did. You, you know, we talked about the uh, Palmetto 200. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a run called the Time Lapse relay race um I'm, i'll find you a link to this um it, it is at the uh at the sh- the white u.s national whitewater center so the whitewater center is a place don't don't let the the uh name fool you it is not just all about whitewater uh it's like outdoor oh, the, the things. clinton the, the the scandal involving bill and hillary clinton right <laughs> it is it, it is it, it is not just the Clinton scandal. It is, it's all the things. Um, so, so anyway, this, uh, this, this race was at the whitewater center, which has a whole bunch of mountain bike trails, um, running trails, um, deep water, um, uh, rock climbing. It's got a manufacturer. Oops. I just, um, hit my mic. Um, it's got a manufactured, like, uh, um, you know, what, what, like not, not natural, whitewater channel where people can learn how to raft um it's on the catawba river uh where people can actually raft anyway i did this thing um on friday night and saturday morning which is a 24-hour race um and i will read from the website uh camaraderie camping competition and a whole lot of trail running gather your friends and compete in a 24-hour running relay race points are awarded based on the number of completed laps and level of difficulty Idle team members can compete in a series of mini competitions. Um, anyway, I did this this race, um, and I th- this is I'm not doing this for um, what is it for claps as they say clapping yes yeah for clapping I'm not doing this I'm just telling you my body hurts a lot because mm. I ran almost 17 miles in 11 hours overnight with no very we this, this is for teams of either six or 12 and I think naively or stupidly. We did this with a team of four people. Oh, yeah, which is yeah, less. Would, than yeah, six. it's less than six and yeah. twelve, and, and and much less than twelve. Much yeah. less than twelve, and and so I I was I ran multiple times with very little downtime, like an hour and a half in between runs. I have run before this race. I had run on trails. I had run at night. I had not run on trails at trails night, at night, yeah. which is different. Um, yeah. and, and I came across a, 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 a very, um, ominous looking, uh, copperhead snake at three o'clock mm. in the morning. Yeah. So the reason why I'm wow. telling you all this, here's the, here's the food safety tie, right? Like I'm yeah. first of all, my legs hurt and I, um, I'm that, that has nothing yeah, to do with there's that snake bite. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there's snake bite. It's also yes. affecting you, but you I should get that looked at. I should get that looked at there. There are people, um, you know, as, as one does, and uh, as a food safety nerd in the wild, especially with people who know what you do, um, somehow it came up that w- while uh, my team and I were talking to the, the team that was camping beside us, what I did. And, and it, it was described as this, um, and I won't, 
I won't get the words exactly right, but essentially that I'm a professor who looks at food safety things. And the person mm -hmm. who the, my friend was explaining this to said, well, what does that mean? And he said, it means when you've left your pizza out overnight, you text him to find out whether it's safe to eat, <laughs> which it's is not bad. It's checks not out, bad. right? Yeah. Like that is exactly what we do. So then that led to another like conversation about people, you know, food safety things and everyone, not everyone, but many, many people are saying many, many times um, when, when <laughs> the, the uh, food safety uh, vocation is brought up, it leads to three or four different questions. Um, and so this led to what I do want to talk about when it comes to food safety here in a second. Oh, did you hear about a peanut butter linked uh, recall or peanut butter recalls. What it said, I, I was like, I did hear about that. I'm on the, I, my, I've got my ear to the food safety ground. So then we talked a little bit about peanut butter and salmonella and why it gets in there. Like I was doing my extension work, Don, while yeah. I was um, running my my relay race. But so is this like, can we jump into peanut butter and salmonella? Because it's yeah, we got to talk about it. Yeah, this is this is uh, you know, I thought we had this sorted out, right? Like uh, we've had sure. outbreaks with uh, linked to peanuts, but the industry kind of you know got its act together, and uh, but apparently not. And this is not a uh, this is not like a fly by night uh, corporation. This is like a big company, right? This is a uh, you know, this is somebody who really should know better, right? Right. Well, we've got well, and and here's the thing. I wanna I wanna do a deep dive on this. Also, yeah. what you know what we're gonna do today. I don't think we've actually done this um, explicitly, but I have, we can revisit this for, um, uh, for risky or not, but I want to talk, I got a bunch of risky or not questions about this, but I want to do a deep, hmm. deep dive into it. Like, so yeah. we'll promote our other podcast while we talk about this. Is that sure? Does that make sense? You see, you see sure. what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. So, so first of all, um, we've got uh, in this, in this outbreak, according to CDC, um, 14 illnesses, um, two hospitalizations across 12 states, uh, linked to Jif um, creamy peanut butter. And it's creamy peanut butter that was produced at one specific plant by the JM Smuckers Corporation. And I think, I can't remember where the plant is. Do you remember Cincinnati maybe? I don't remember, but we'll, 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 we'll get, we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll tell people. Yeah. Yeah. Because, but that's part of the, I think the, the confusion here. So, um, so the, the, uh, so FDA, um, on, I think it was Friday released a bunch of information on this, um, CDC released a bunch of information on it. Um, the FDA was really the reprinting of the company announcement. So they, they have recalled a whole bunch of, um, UPC codes and different codes for different plants mm -hmm. um, on, or not different plants for one, one plant. Um, it's uh, there's Salmonella Seftenberg, I believe. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. And I think that's in the, I didn't know if that was public or not. I think it's no, public. No, it is because I've read it somewhere. Yeah. It's in the CDC uh, it's, yeah. information, I think. I'm, I'm, I For sure I've read it somewhere. Maybe on the FDA page. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some really interesting stuff on the FDA page on mm -hmm. this. Um, so uh, company announcement, okay, select peanut butters, salmonella contamination. Um, the recall, uh, peanut butter was distributed nationwide, retail stores. It's all GIF brand. So that's good, right? 
Um, we're not looking at, at this point, multiple different types. Um, recalls being conducted in cooperation with FDA. Based on the information known to date, we are unable to estimate the financial impact of the recall either on our fiscal year and other fiscal year ended April 30th or on our current fiscal year, 2023. Have you ever seen that in a company announcement before? That's fascinating to me. What's right? what's what's this? Tell me the statement again. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll copy oh, it and oh, paste yeah, it. Oh, based on the information known to date, we are unable to estimate the financial impact of the recall either on our fiscal year and or current fiscal year. I. Yeah, I guess that's for stockholders, right? I guess, but um, like I've never seen that in a recall. Like, so here's my yeah. I'm gonna put my cynical risk communication hat on, Don. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's this recall for? Right, like, what, what am I like? It says here, if consumers have the products, they should dispose of it. But is a recall message that says here are the products that we're recalling that also says, hey, we don't know how this is gonna affect our fiscal year is this recall announcement for consumers like like why are we why do we have multiple messages in here and i'm going to be real cynical on this i think i think that a recall notification should be a communication vehicle to tell people hey look for this and don't eat this food right right. i I just this this made me um cringy that's the word that taylor swift yeah yeah yeah, and then and that goes on to say this press release contains forward-looking statements. What the hell is that even? That's mean? that's 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 a stock that's stockholder talk. That's how mm. you talk to stockholders for sure. Right? Yeah, that's that's what that is, right? Readers yeah. are cautioned not to unduly rely on such forward-looking statements, which speak only to uh, of the date made when evaluating information contained in this press release. Yeah, yeah. Don, what am I supposed to do as a consumer who may or may not have this peanut butter? Well, don't look forward. That's for sure. What? Um, like, okay. So yeah. the reason why I wanted to talk about this well, is, well, yeah, and 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 it's and I'm sure there is a good. I'm sure there is an explanation. It might not be a good explanation, but I'm sure that there is an explanation. Um, you know, but again, if I was going to do this, because you know, if I if I ran the Smuckers Corporation, um, if you were JM. One, Um, I would have one message for the consumers of the product and I have, it would have a different message. I mean, cause it is important for corporations to talk to their shareholders, right? Oh Um, yeah. But I, but I would have, I would have done it in separate messages because, because this is not, this is, this might be very helpful for uh, shareholders. It's not really very helpful for consumers at all. Right. One hundred Don, like that was, if we could just spend the entire show on that statement, that Mm. like, and then what does that tell you about my food safety culture in my in my company that is experiencing a recall where 14 people were sick, where our message is, hey, yeah, uh, throw this out. Also, shareholders, don't worry about this, or we don't know, or maybe do worry, but but we don't know. Well, yeah, and I think it's and I think it's mostly just it's just because it, here's the I, I think. I think companies can get in trouble with the whoever you get in trouble with if you make if you oh, make yeah. false or misleading stock claims. And so you don't want to put be, those in there. Yeah. Yeah. There might there might be a very valid reason for putting those statements there because if they didn't put them, then they would be l- legally liable, you know, and their shareholders could, I don't know, could take some action against them. So 
that there may be a valid legal reason for those statements, but why does it, why it would need to be in communication to the general public, the people who, again, because you, when you're doing a recall, what you're trying to do is get the product out of consumers' hands. Now, there, or there are other things that are going on, like you're going to, you know, you're going to have financial consequences from this, but uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's weird, it's, right? it, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Yeah, I don't remember ever seeing it before either. But again, we're, we're in a sort of a new, maybe a new world in terms of food safety these I, days. I don't know. I guess. I, I mean, so yes. I mean, every day is a, a, like a, a new, every day is a new day. As they yep. <laughs> new world of food safety. But, mm -hmm. but I like, and I, I'll tell you, this is hitting very close to home for me because I've been working for the last two years on recall modernization efforts. Mm. And am mm. I, you know, you, we have a, a common friend and colleague, Bill Hallman. We get together every three weeks to talk with a working group of industry folks and sometimes folks from AFTO and some, and folks from mm. Stop Foodborne Illness. This is driven by the Stop Foodborne Illness Alliance to mm. talk about recall problems. Like what, mm. if we could fix the world of recalls, what would it look like? And so I right. think we talked about this in another episode. I'll link to the document, but Don, like, I'm so frustrated by this message, right? On one hand, we were like this frustrated by, by me and our world not being able to get a message across to say it's really important that we think mm -hmm. of recall messages as risk communication vehicles, not just public information vehicles. And those are two different things in my book, right? right. Um, and this even made it worse. I would never have thought to say to someone... And I'm going to sound scoldy and cynical and, and mm. jaded. I would never have thought that I had to say to a company, keep your stock information out of your risk communication. Right. Like it, it's a bad look. And it's mm. not, it, not only is that, how does 70% of your, like you've got a list of UPC codes and you have one line that says, if you have it in your possession, dispose of it immediately. Mm -hmm. And then you then you dedicate over half of your message to um, like stuff about your company and stocks. I just I don't know. I, and I might be blowing yeah. it up too much, but it's I, I read these recall things every day. I've never been so like upset about it. <laughs> well, and again, I guess I'm I'm more willing to give them the benefit sure. of the doubt and and say, okay, so explain to me why you have the. I, I don't. You don't have to explain to me why you're telling me this i don't you don't have to explain to me why you're releasing this information yeah but can you explain to me why it's in your communication to consumers right yes that's exactly what that's what i want to know and also if you and, and and this this code goes into the like risky or not crossover um i, I don't know about you i mean you've been you've been on the on the twitter today um there's been a few things that have popped up i've received this single question in 12, 13 forms over the last three days. Let me, let me pair. Well, actually let me use um, the actual question uh, from, um, let me find it. That uh, led to some of our conversation uh, from friend of the show, friend of friend of mine. You've not met her in person, but I know her, Michelle Jewell, that shark, the sharkologist. Um, she wrote, okay, a serious risky or not for at bug counter and at Benjamin Chapman. If I have one of the recalled GIF jars, but I've already eaten 75% of it, can I keep it? That 
question like and i to, like well, i want to talk about that i want to talk about why you know i why i think that's risky but this there is how people eat peanut butter we should have learned oh over, well like, yeah like yeah. like how how many people like for example ben i can tell you that we have a jar of peanut butter in our house that is about 95 percent empty right yep because we typically eat it every day or every couple of days. It's a common staple that we have in the house. I would venture to say that most people that have peanut butter in their house have a jar that's somewhere between some more than 0% full and less than 100% full, right? Yes, yes. Um, and unless you have a backup jar, which you might, in which case it would be 100% full, right? Um, but every but everybody has a jar that is some fraction full. So- yeah, but and and you know and the and sharkologist has an interesting question, and we don't know the details of the concentration, the prevalence and concentration of salmonella in the peanut butter. But my guess is it's present at a low concentration, and it's also present at a low prevalence. And so it's entirely possible. Again, this and this is somewhat informed by the work that Linda Harris has done sampling almonds, which is not the same as peanuts which is not the same as peanut butter but um yeah basically it's a it's a low level contamination that's sporadic and we again we, we see this in marcel's weedering did some wonderful work years ago where they sample and we'll, we'll come back to talking about infant formula later in the podcast i'm sure um where he sampled a contaminated lot of infant formula powdered infant formula and again you see you know many samples are negative some are positive most have low levels some have high levels and so it's it's the nature of microbiological contamination especially for a solid product, right? Liquid products are different because they're more, more homogeneous, right? But a solid product like uh, powdered infant formula or like, like peanut butter is it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be sporadic, right? And so it's entirely possible that the sharkologist peanut butter um, didn't have any salmonella in the top and does have some in the bottom, right? And so right. in this case, the best thing to do is not to continue eating it because, uh, well, and it would be it would be interesting to, to, to go and to talk to those people, those 14 people that are uh, part of this outbreak and say, um, like how far into the jar did you, did you consume before you got sick? Right. That would further inform it. But I, I, I've got to imagine that it, well, and then the, also, if it's a low level, um, we also know based on, again, if you believe the dose response models, you could eat a single cell of salmonella on a regular basis and not get sick except when you did. Right. right so it's, right. it's entirely possible that the sharkologist could have eaten salmonella from her jar of peanut butter, but just got lucky enough that that those salmonella didn't didn't make it through to attach to the wall of her intestine. Maybe they got killed by the acid in her stomach. Maybe they um, got carried out uh, and and didn't attach to the intestinal wall. Maybe they got killed by maybe she's got real healthy uh, microflora there in her intestine, and they 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 fought off the salmonella and it couldn't attach right. And so it's entirely possible that she has consumed salmonella from that peanut butter and just hasn't gotten sick yet. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Uh, abs like yeah. absolutely hundred percent. And um, the, the, I guess the frustrating part for me, this is this mm -hmm. Tom. Um, I, I just did a, I used our, our, uh, our favorite app drafts and I cut and paste the company announcement. Why in the, in the drafts, why, why, why do you think I did that, Don? I'm very interested in understanding how, what's the, amount of what are the amount of words in this you know like in, in this uh, company announcement 
to, to give you give you a sense, mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. 1,079 words in that announcement. That's a lot of words. It's a lot of words, right? Um, let me tell you the consumer messages of those 1,079 words. <laughs> if consumers have products matching the above description in their possession, they should dispose of it immediately. Consumers who have questions or would like to report adverse reactions should visit gif.com uh, slash contact us uh, or call us, but only Monday to Friday from eight till five. Mm. That's it. That's it. Mm. What, what, what do I got there? Maybe 30 words. Mm. Um, Don, I, I'm just I, like, I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm fired up and I'm way over the top mm-hmm. on this. Um, but the question <laughs> is that I get that we're getting multiple times. No one is addressing that. Like you could have put in here exactly all what you just talked about with your fancy, not you, Don, but I'm talking now to, to JM and his smuckers. Um, with, with their fancy communications group, you could say, here, we know how people eat peanut butter, <laughs> right? Because we sell a lot of it. We know mm-hmm. that people don't, it's a very unlikely that someone eats peanut butter in one sitting. Right. Um, so, so like, let's think about, let's be very thoughtful about what our, how our product is used and that our product, and I like think about this from a parent standpoint, kids, a lot of kids eat peanut butter. It's yeah. a it, lo- lot of, um, individuals who are, uh, um, marginalized, uh, who have economic disparity issues, low income uh, individuals utilize peanut butter. It's a, it's a staple for, um, nutrition and, and protein. Uh, what do we say here? It's like, you should just dispose of it immediately. Not like, what do I do if I've eaten half my jar? Like, it's not that hard to answer that question. We just did it. <laughs> well, what, but what did we, what would, what, what, you, oh, so if you've eaten half the jar, you should still throw it away. Yeah. That, right? I mean, right. Right. Like, I mean, that's right. what I would do. Uh, right. And, and now is there information in the statement about like if you're, yeah, so it has, it has the symptoms, right? It's got so I guess I would say is that if you've eaten some of it and you've had these symptoms, you should, you know, seek, seek medical attention. Right. Right. And they just say, well, if you've got it, yeah. If you have any, they don't say anything like it just says, if you have like to report some adverse reaction, come to our website. doesn't say go to your healthcare provider. If you had an adverse reaction, you should probably go to a doctor. Yeah. What is, what is doctor, what's Dr. Smucker is going to do for me? (laughs) Yeah. Just, well, what, you, what do you what do you think of the FDA statement? Um, I think the FDA statements are better. Yeah. Um, so here, you know, I'll, we'll we'll link to this for consumers. Follow these steps. Number one, check if you have it in your home. Yep. Two, locate the lock code on the back of the jar under the best. They tell you where it is. Yep. Right. They got pictures of it. Yep. They 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 they're. I think FDA is doing a much better job at this. We've yep. talked about this. Uh, we'll we'll bring back uh, ABC, CDC, FDA plus. Um, here and and I'm I'm giving them an A for this. Uh, in the lock code, if mm-hmm. the four digits are this and the next three numbers are this, the product has been recalled yep. and you should not consume it. If you're unsure what to do, all right, you can call or email for more information. Um, I do think that there's like they even go through. Um, you know, if you have it, you should wash your hands. Oh yeah, wash your hands. You touch it. If you or someone in your household ate this peanut yep. butter and have symptoms, they link to a webpage which has symptoms. Contact your healthcare provider. That's good information, right? Yep, yep. Um, um, here, here. If you're yep. a retailer, repacker, or a manufacturer, yep. look at this. Um, yep. If you're using this in in any way, I think they do a pretty good. I, I think they did a pretty good job about about that. 
Um, I do like, I, I don't think anybody's answering the question that people are asking, which is if I haven't gotten sick yet, am I good to go? Right. Which we, which I think we did just answer, which is no, the salmonella can be localized. It's not homogenous. It, it's a, um, a low, um, let me get the, the, the low, low mean infectious dose, dose pathogen. Is that, so, like, would you be happy with that, Don, the way that I said that? Let's say it again. Low mean infectious dose pathogen. In yeah. I would say peanut butter, mean, but media. Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've never really understood the difference. No, I, I do know the difference. Um, so, you know, like, like I, I think that, that, that I think we're, we're skipping over that. Right. Uh, but I think what FDA has done is a good job of saying, here's what it looks like. Here's where you should be looking for these numbers. Not just what GIF said, which was, here's the UPC code that we're recalling. Yeah. Well, I mean, F FDA does say this product has been recalled and you should not consume this product. Right? They do. And so, but I, I, mean, I, I guess think it's a little bit more nuanced to but, say, but what if I you know, did, like, what if I did consume it? That's the part, right? Well, but again, that's in the same, that's later in the message, which says that um, if you or someone in your household ate this peanut butter and have symptoms, contact your health provider. So somewhere in there may be a sentence that says, if you ate this peanut butter and didn't get sick, you should still discard it, right? That's what's missing. That, okay. like, to me, that's that. And I'm sorry if I'm being like overly obtuse with this, but that's that, that to me, that's exactly what's missing. From, yeah. from this. Well, and, and that, but that is not a common no, message that it we is see. not. And, and yeah. And so, yeah, it's not, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, we don't commonly see that message, but, but I said, yeah, and I, I don't, I mean, I guess on the, on the one hand, I would say, so what, right. But on the other hand, if people are actually asking you this on Twitter, then that would say, no, no, you're right. And, and I'm, I'm the one that's being obtuse or difficult. And that people that, that, that information does need to be included because people obviously have that question. Yes. Like that is, it's special to this type of product. It, it is not somewhat, somewhat, somewhat special. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, ice cream with, you know, bluebell ice cream with yep, uh, yep. listeria, you know, same sort of thing. Although I would say, you know, think about all the foods that you have in your house, which ones sort of stay there the longest peanut butter is there for a pretty long time. Bread flour, you know, or flour would be there a pretty long time. Most other products, I guess, would have a relatively short shelf life. You know, most product, you know, so frozen, I guess, frozen food, you know, I don't know. It's there, there are other, other foods that do have a long a long shelf life that you would have to pay attention to this, right? But right. peanut butter is a very sort of a classic example though. Yeah, yeah. Well, and CDC does a good job on this mm -hmm. from ABC, CD, FDA, CDC plus. Um, they say explicitly, this product has a very long shelf life. Yeah. So be sure to check any GIF peanut butter you have at home to make sure that it has not been recalled. That, yep. I, I think that's not in all of the, messages like yeah well in the in the first bullet point on the cdc's webpage do not eat any recalled gif brand yeah, peanut butter throw, throw it, it away, away. done right? that yeah. is very direct it's good I, I would say if i had to give uh i mean if, I, if, we're, if we're grading yeah we, give, we I do give, i would give cdc uh maybe an, an a or an a plus and, yep. and fda would get a b plus or an a maybe right yep yep I agree. I agree. I give them, I give them an A, I give CDC an A because they, they still are missing my 
like they do say, do not eat any of it, throw it away. But I, I think it's important that, so I got, oh, again, I'm Don, I feel like I've, I've, I've opened up my own Pandora's box here because I can't get off of this train that I'm on. Um, my, let me go back to the original statement here. Um, you know, while you, while you do that, I'm just looking at the CDC statement. I really like this, right? I, like, yeah, me too. There, uh, uh, signs of dehydration, such as not peeing much, like that's talking to people the way people talk, right? Yep. yep. Uh, dry mouth, mouth and throat, feeling dizzy when standing up. Like that's really, that's really good, right? Like that's, that's some, that's some A plus uh, communication or A <laughs> communication, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and interestingly, they're telling people um, uh, wash containers and services and containers using hot soapy water businesses, they're telling them to wash and sanitize containers and services, right? So they're not telling consumers to sanitize, I guess, maybe because they don't have, they don't, they don't have confidence that consumers are going to know how to sanitize. I'm not really sure that you'd really, I mean, maybe you should, yes, I, I would certainly, if you had the recalled peanut butter in your house and you do have like peanut butter sitting on the counter, you should, you should clean that up. Don't leave it sitting there. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and it, but anyway, go ahead. Okay. So, um, yeah, the, uh, I, I think FDA has got, got some of this that's, that's really, really good. Um, you know, the consumers, restaurants and retailers should not eat, sell or serve any recalled Jif brand peanut butter. Okay. That's like, that's, it's in that recommendation. Um, the, the, the P like FDA recommends that you've recalled or that if you have used the recall, blah, 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 you should wash and sanitize. Yeah. Sir, but it doesn't, I don't know. It's missing that piece of if you've eaten it and you haven't gotten sick, stop eating it. <laughs> right. but, and I know, like, I know well, it's implicitly said, it's implicit. Yeah. But it's that like what we, uh, I think we have to be really careful in thinking that implicit messages make it to consumers' actions. That like, I think we need to be explicit. Said so if you have eaten any of this and you've not gotten sick, does not mean that you won't get sick with the next spoonful of this peanut butter. You should throw it out. Like that right. explicit right. message. Yeah. Right. So, all right, I'm done my, I'm done my soapbox, but I do <laughs> want to talk about something else here. Sure. Um, so uh, as it relates to this, in the FDA's investigation, I'm going to read from... Um, from that. And then we're going to go to the CDC because I want uh, so it's so fascinating this one. CDC's review of epidemiological information indicates that five out of five people reported consuming peanut butter and four of the five people specifically reported consuming different varieties of GIF brand peanut butter prior to becoming ill. Okay. So here's one challenge with this. The date on this was content current of um, May 23rd, 2022, which was yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. so, so remember those numbers, five out of five people, okay? Does that okay. mean, it's like four out of five dentists? I'm gonna come back to that in a second. Okay. Well, on May 21st, CDC posted that there were 14 illnesses. Right. So what, like, where did five out of five come from? Wait, like, where, where are you reading the five out of five? Five out of five is in FDA's message. Oh, okay. On uh, outbreak investigation of salmonella, colon, peanut butter, 
not colon peanut butter. Oh gosh. Um, parentheses. Parentheses. May 20, uh, 2022. Yep. Um, right. So what, I don't understand what that even means. CDC's review of epidemiological information indicates that five out of the five people that were contacted or that gave information, five out of the 14, five out of five, like, I don't know. I'm very confused. Well, and it's, it's weird because it seems, well, and let's look at investigation details. Um, yeah. Um, Not much there, right? Like, yeah. Um, okay. State and local public health officials are interviewing people. Four out of five sick people yeah. reported Jif brand. Of the five, of people, five people interviewed, interviewed, five reported eating peanut butter. So that, so, so that, that's that's on the CDC yes. uh, investigation details. Did that, did that answer your question? It does, but it wasn't okay. in the FDA. Like I, I well, got confused because I saw the FDA stuff. Right? Yeah. Like, well, and it's it's weird because the the yeah. way. To, and again, we've talked before about the way CDC is doing this stuff now, right? Like if you go, if the the main page, yeah, yep. Is called the Salmonella Outbreak Linked to Peanut Butter Food Safety Alert. Okay. And then from that page, they have four, three pages you can go off and look at. You can look at the timeline, you can look at the map, or you can look at the investigation details. And the investigation details is really the nitty gritty. And that's the information that FDA put onto their announcement. But it, but it, yeah, CDC. Again, FDA has simplified. And again, FDA has one, CDC has one starting page and then three pages you branch out to fda has just the one page right 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 um, okay where there so it's it's a little bit of like style i mean i could say okay maybe we could put it all on one page but that it's really long and people won't read it and so and we and again this is something that cdc has done recently with this one page with the four pages where you can go from investigation deal and i like it i, I like that yeah that but you, but again you do have to remember okay, you gotta dig down i gotta click on the investigation details and then i can read and then i know that it's five out of five of the people five out of five people have been interviewed there's other people that we know are sick because we've matched the the you know we've matched the strain genetically but we just haven't had a chance to interview them you know because they're in the hospital or we just haven't got to it yet right yep yep so here's a couple of things too that i want to add on to this so also in the cdc um mm. uh investigation illness or uh investigation details they say uh you know they they go through the five out of five four out of five gif yep. um the, two, they, two reported gif Creamy, creamy reduced, reduced fat, yep. one person, Jif natural, creamy, low sodium, one person, Jif natural, creamy, right? Yep. That's yep. great. Yep. Good. Right? So that we, says, hey, it's yep. all Jif, but it's different, different it's types, different, different skews. Yeah, yep. exactly. And then FDA, um, it, well, we'll get to that in a second. So this suggests that people in this outbreak got sick from eating peanut butter. That's the, the next sentence that yes. CDC has. Good. Okay. Yep. Clear. So how... I, I think this is kind of fascinating. So public health laboratory data, public health investigators are using PulseNet system to identify illnesses that may be part of the outbreak. Um, whole genome sequencing showed that bacteria from sick people samples are closely related genetically. This suggests mm -hmm. that people in this outbreak got sick from the same food. Whole genome analysis shows samples from sick people in this investigation are closely related genetically to a sample collected in mm -hmm. 2010 from the environment at J.M. Smucker's company's facility in Lexington, Kentucky, where some GIF brand peanut butter is produced. 
and where it, all of this outbreak peanut butter has been produced wow. and where all of the recalled peanut butter is coming from. So, but, well, let me, let me right? push back. Okay. All of the okay. recalled peanut butter is coming from for sure. Do we have, like, they don't go as far as saying that all of this is coming from the same plant, right? What we have are, I'll, I'll read about well, okay. yeah, implicitly, right? I think well, we can draw the line. Yeah. Well, I, and I think probably the, we, my guess is that the, uh, the, the four to five number that's yeah. in the recall code, that's the plant code. It, we, yes, we've not been is. told that, right? But, but that's my guess, right? So it, we have been told that FDA okay. says that on their website. Okay. Yes. Um, so Dawn, the, like there, those types of products. So I've got a friend who texted me a picture uh, and, and again, I, again, something that I think pops up in many recalls. Let me, let me get the actual question. Um, sorry, this is fascinating. Because of course it's not all in, you know, it's not all in my texts. It's in another app that uses texts. I got I got some pictures. So so Don, um, low sodium natural GIF creamy, right? That's one mm -hmm. of the ones that we've seen here, right? Yep. Low natural creamy, low sodium peanut butter. Yep. Um, I got a different plant number, Don. So mm -hmm. so it, it, they make that product at other ones. Okay. Right. But 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 hasn't been recalled. Right. So, so the question that I got from my friend was, should I be concerned? And I was like, no, no, you, you shouldn't right. because no, it's not part it's of the recall. It's not part yeah. of the recall, but that exact line. And again, this is about explicit, implicit information. I, I, I believe implicitly that the information that is in this, um, in, in this paragraph about four, five out of five and four out of five mm -hmm. reported these products but did it, it doesn't say explicitly and was produced at 425 plant. I think implicitly that that's probably like, but do, do we know that? Do, do CDC's investigators know that? Or are they only going on a 10, 12 year old whole genome sequence close match to environmental sample at that Lexington, Kentucky plant? Which is good information too, right? Like even if that is cl close enough, but but is that like and and you know not to get um, deep south all excited, but sometimes closely related whole genome sequencing could come from two or three different places. Um, see CFR frozen foods. Yeah, I, I my my guess is that they. They don't have any reason to believe. I mean, if here's the thing: if they, if they had product that had lot codes that didn't come from that Lexington plant, then there would be pressure from the FDA for the company to expand the recall. So but I'm. Yeah. What if they don't have lot codes, Don? That's well, my question. What if that it's not clear in that statement? Well, I guess the question is, how much do we know about the distribution patterns for Jif peanut butter? Right. So, for example. If you live in the state of, I, I, I can give you, you information. I got information oh, okay. on this, Don. Okay. I mean, again, from any. So, yeah, you go ahead and let me answer your question. Say what you were going to say. Okay. So, so for example, um, if you were to go to a store in North Carolina, right, and you were to look at all of the different types of GIF on the shelf, okay, in multiple stores, 
do they all come from Lexington, Kentucky? No. They oh, do not. okay. Because okay. I've got one people on, that all live in Raleigh with different plant codes. Oh, okay. For the same product. Oh, fast. Oh, fascinating. All right. Yeah. Because, and, and I'll, I'll give you the like supply chain logistics because okay. they bought them at different retailers and some of them okay. are Costco. Some of them are Sam's club. Okay. Some of them are right. Harris Teeter. Right. So it's not all coming through the same, like for instance, um, Publix has a distribution center in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, right. And not all of our, we've got so many national brands that are here. Some of their, like the, how things get here might be different. Okay. So, yeah. so I guess what I would say is, you know, if you, if you don't have a lot code that's implicated, you're okay. Right. right. And, uh, right. And, yeah. and I'm sure again, you know, um, the, <laughs> the CDC does not have shareholders, uh, you know, so they are allowed to have forward looking information, which they may update because uh, they're usually pretty good about that. I'm sure that we will continue as we continue to learn about this outbreak, it may expand to other plants. My guess is it's not going to expand to other plants. My guess is it is, it is some specific problems in this Lexington, Kentucky plant that led to this problem. I I'm, I'm with you. And I, I guess I don't want to be all conspiracy theorists on this. Um, but what if we're talking about a, a, a peanut source, not a plant source, right? Where um, the, you know, for whatever reason, because I think we saw this in 2009 post peanut butter corporation of America, where there was another, um, there are illnesses linked to, and again, I, I, let me try and find this as we talk about something else, but I think that there were illnesses that were linked um, to Peanut Corporation of America, but a, a year later, the um, PFGE, because we weren't doing whole genome sequencing at, at that time, mm -hmm. popped up other sources of peanuts in the, in, like, in the um, supply chain. So maybe right. there's a field of peanuts. Right. Those fields were selling to different peanut processors. And, and that is this, like, because the, the, like the, the whole process of dry roasting peanuts to make peanut butter um, can, you know, it, it's it, salmonella clearly can make it through that process. Yeah. If you're, if you don't have good, good control yeah. of your roaster. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Um, that's true. I would say too, though, whole genome sequencing it's, or it's next bad. generation sequencing yep. Is, yep. Is, is a finer tool than Agreed. pulse field, right? Pulse field, there are things that match with pulse field that are the same and things that match that are different. Um, you know, and again, with whole genome, it's, it's never, uh, you know, it's closely related, right? How many, how many uh, SNPs, how many single nucleotide pairs? Um, I think that's what it stands for. Um, yep. Are different, is it, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I guess I'm willing to say that the uh, other other smuckers facilities are guilty or innocent until proven guilty. Right. Well, and I think it's an Occam's Occam's razor. Occam's razor. O Occam's yep. razor, where you, that that's the most likely, right? Um, but but I'll, I'll tell you the I I paused in giving my response. Like I don't want my friends to get sick from salmonella. Right. That's that's sure. the ultimate ultimate. End. So when someone said, "Well, what about another plant?" I made, I've made the assumption that we know that this is a plant issue at this point. And right. I said, 
yeah, with all the information we have right now, I think you're, I, I you know, I probably said, I think it's not risky because I try to answer things in a yeah. risky, not risky um, format for even my friends that, that you're, that you're going to consume that because it's not, we know right now, it's not part of the recall. It certainly looks like this one plan is the implicated plan, but it did give me pause when I, when I dug into, I gave that answer. And then later that night, I read all of these statements back to back to back. And it, mm-hmm. again, wasn't hundred percent clear to me how that decision was made. And I, and I think it matters, right? Like oh, how what we, decision was made, how the decision to only recall from that one plant was made. Right. Oh, like, well, but you know, the standard, the standard I, way that these recalls proceed is they proceed with a recall, uh, which then may expand. Yes. Right. Which they I never contract. No. Right. Right. Recall creep as, as recall I, think, creep. I think we've, we've, uh, um, it's a, it's a term that, uh, um, that, that I, I, I don't know if it's one of us is coined. It's either you, me or Marler. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was me. Well, I, it's a term that I use that I like to use. Um, but, uh, but, but I think that that's one that of the, be, <laughs> that'd be a great Twitter handle. <laughs> recall creep. Recall creep. Yeah. I, 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 it goes back to the uh, bar flock days. Recall creep demonstrates system issues. I found a, an old, Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bluebell, I I started thinking about recall creep during Bluebell. For sure. Um, But so, but I'm thinking about it from giving my friend the best available information. With the info we have right now, yeah, we're we're good. Could this recall creep? Yes, it it could. Is it likely? I think no. I think not. Yeah. I think, yeah. I The only thing that I could think of, and this is when I read the FDA, not related to the GIF peanut butter that my friend had, but related to co-packers, repackers, retailers, people that are doing stuff with peanut butter, right? That that may they may be using these jars of peanut butter, making other products with peanut butter in them that we may see other recalls, not GIF recall creep. Well, I guess the question would be, what do they make at this, uh, at this Lexington, Kentucky plant, right? Do they just make consumer products or do they make, um, you know, uh, products for other well, can yeah. I, I'm going to give you, it doesn't, uh, to me, it doesn't matter. Doesn't because matter. If you, yeah. Because if it looks like what they think is a consumer product, right. Oh, um, well, right, right. So like I go to a, if I go to a restaurant and I put peanut butter on, Oh, right. Like on a, on a sandwich. Right. I mean, yeah. But, um, and then I sell those sandwiches. Um, you know, well, if I'm but, buying, but it's, but it's different than a peanut corporation of America where they were making, Correct. you know, all different container sizes, right? Like there's, they're probably not filling peanut butter into five pound totes at this. Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah, well, we don't know, right? How big is 96 ounces? Uh, five, I don't pounds? Know. five pounds? Oh, I don't know. 96 ounces. Yeah. That's the biggest. So that's good. That's the biggest size. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot of peanut butter. It's a lot of peanut butter. You got to Yeah. 96 ounce. Creamy, creamy peanut butter twin pack. I bet you that's sold at like uh, Costco or uh, or um, Sam's Club. Oh, that's not so. Ninety six ounces is is a is a uh, three quarters of a gallon. Yep. So it's 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 a twin pack. So it's ninety six total. I found a picture of this at Instacart at Sam's mm-hmm. Club. This is where you get it. All right. Look at us doing internet sleuthing, Don. There you go. So I certainly could see this big um, two forty eight ounce jars being at a, at an independent restaurant or being used. Yes. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yep. For yep. sure. Good, good, good. Okay. I think we're on, we're, we're like, yeah. Oh, I told you there was a lot. There's too much for a, a risky or not, but, but we will do, I promise we will do a risky or not on this. Um, that we'll add to the, to the list over at risky or not. Yes. Uh, doc. That was, 
Yeah. Um, so we we do it a, we do a short one on this too. Um, but yeah, oh gosh. Whew. Hey, that was on my list, Don. Peanut butter. Um, let me let me let me go down my list. We did uh, um, kids in the hall, check. Um, peanut butter, check. Time lapse children, check. Tournament, check. Um, there, there are two other things I want to talk about. Okay. But but do you, are there things that I haven't even looked at our, we got, we got other stuff to talk about here. Here are the things I want to talk about. Yep. Infant, infant formula consent decree. Yep. Number one, hundred percent. Um, okay. Then, um, uh, I, and I'm not going to, uh, we're not going to put someone on blast. You, are you familiar with that? I am familiar with that. Um, but, uh, we are, we, we were, we were, we were DM'd about some stuff and I want to talk about the DM. Um, but I'm not going to, we're not going to put the DMer on blast. So, okay. uh, and it's about lucky charms and, okay. and, and signals and noise and stuff. Yeah. So, so where do you want to go? You want to go infant formula? You want to go your, you it's, choose your own adventure, Don. Where do you want to go? Yeah, let's, let's do well. And, and you know, it might also be interesting to interested to talk about the, uh, select committee on the coronavirus crisis report. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. if you want to go there, I do. I want to go everywhere those, you want to go. Feature the prominently feature the name of a colleague of ours <laughs> in the report. Just could, does. could not talk about. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm very interested to talk about this consent decree though. So let's okay. go there first. Yeah. So last week, let's think, well, I guess it doesn't really matter because it, that would, uh, that, that would lead people to believe that I post these things right away, um, which I which I don't. So it doesn't matter. Let's just say there was a consent decree on uh, May 17th, um, Tuesday, May 17th. Judge signed, this is uh, from CNN Health, judge signs off on steps, troubled baby formula manufacturer must take to restart closed plant. Um, 33 page agreement lays out the steps the manufacturer must take to restart production at its Sturgis um, um, uh, Michigan plant. Once Abbott has completed the to-do list, the company will take, uh, says it'll take two weeks to resume production of the baby formula. Why, you know, uh, so number of these steps it can take, um, uh, clean and sanitize the facility. Um, they, uh, we'll, we'll go through, a, 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 like a whole bunch of these things. Um, but there's some fun stuff in here. Like they need to hire an independent consultant yeah. to, to, to watch and yeah. manage to make sure yeah. that they're running a food safety plan uh, correctly. Yeah, that's that was like uh, like what the two two thing. And I did a little bit of a dive into this because I, I thought I might talk to a reporter, but it turns out um, not. And then and haven't haven't talked to them, but that's OK. Um, but yeah, I um, the. I don't remember ever seeing anything like this where a company was told you have to hire an expert. And then the other thing is, which is the first, that was, that was the second thing I noticed. The first thing I noticed is the FDA has been very explicit about what it is that they need to be doing and the tests that they need to run. And I, and I guess it kind of makes sense, right? Because we, we have a situation. And again, I think this is the first time we've seen a situation like this, right? Where you have a company that, is making a food that if that company can't, it's kind of like it's kind of like the argument that the meat companies made to open during the pandemic, which we'll come back to. But um, like this, this because this company is not operating, um, people can't get infant formula, right? Right. And I really feel like FDA 
is put in a bit of a bind because you shut down the plant, which is the right thing to do for public health, but you stop feeding babies, which is the wrong thing to do for public health. And so how do you thread that needle, right? How do you make sure that you're producing baby formula, which we need for healthy babies, but that formula is free of salmonella, which we need for healthy babies, right? Right, right. All of it, right? Like it's, and, and you're, you're in a situation um, where, the, um, the, it's not often where we have food safety impacting, like a food safety concern impacting, like just shortages of a particular food that is necessary ever, everywhere. Right. Like is, this right. is a big, kind of a big, um, it's a bit, I don't know. It's, it's impacting more than just the food safety nerds by, by a long shot, like leading to, um, people substituting, um, infant formula for other things, watering it down, increased, um, uh, um, there's, it's a product that is often, um, stolen and this is increasing the amount of uh, uh, rate because there's a shortage of mm-hmm. that, uh, of it being stolen from, um, you know, from other supplies. It's like, it's a, it's wild, this one. Yeah. So, um, the consent decree is, you know, it's written in in the in all the legal you know, legal aspects right mm-hmm. of this, but the you know it it basically I'm going to read a couple of things here. Defendant shall collect in process and finished product samples during specialty operations, and shall analyze the powdered infant formula samples for Chronobacter uh, species and Salmonella in the specific manner specified in 21 CFR um, 106.55 and shall analyze powdered non-infant product samples for salmonella. If any test in process or finished product detects the, pro- the presence, defendants shall cease production um, and um, you know, remediate the action. Like there's a lot of like, you, you are, if you're gonna open, you're opening with a lot of rules that not all other infant formula companies are needing that need to follow. Now, many of them should be following these anyway, but this, this is de- like demanded by the courts. This is how you will operate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think it's really interesting in here that one, so you, you mentioned the hiring an independent um, uh, investigator is something that you thought was interesting. One I thought was interesting is if you are going to, um, if you find anything, you have to retain those isolates for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yep. and, and also each isolate is to be provided to FDA within five days of receipt. Yep. Of a re- written a request. Yep. And, th- and this never is, seen that I, before, right? Well, like that's, yeah. But, but here's the thing, like yeah. Abbott's whole argument was, well, you sure you found Coronabacter in our plant, but it's not the outbreak strains. Yep. Right. And so FDA is like, oh yeah, you think so? <laughs> I'm gonna pull out, pull out just enough of my consent degree. Right, right. <laughs> you, well, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like you want to play, you want to play that game? Okay, smart guy. Here's how we're gonna play that game. You're gonna, you're gonna have collect every single one. You're gonna keep them for three years. You're gonna send it to us in in five days, and then we're gonna see. Yeah. Right. Now yeah. we'll see. Right. Well, so yeah, j- just don't screw with FDA, man. Right, right, right. And. They're this, angry. I right, mean, this right. as much as something like this is meant to be non-emotional, it is. I just, boy, somebody was fired up when they wrote this. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Me, me too. And also, like, if you remember back to those 483s, I think this is one of the things that came up, right? So, mm-hmm. um, okay, I'm going to read from, uh, I think this is the right one. Um, okay, so this is, you found, sorry, one. Yeah, between 9 25 19 and 22 2022, your firm, firm's environmental samples and finished product testing confirmed the presence of Chronobacter. You, you found it eight times. Um, you're, uh, but I, it seems like you they didn't um, retain those samples and didn't do whole genome sequencing, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that was kind of the the situation like you said you were going to do this and you didn't so Mm -hmm. i think this is like well fine we're going to make a law for you consent decree don't you're outside of this this means you're breaking the law now this is a a a, right i mean that's the that that's how i read this this is a judge imposed requirement that is legal now yep yeah biggie um okay so infant formula let's talk about um um, well, let's talk about, okay. I want to go into our DMS. I want to, someone slid into our DMS, Don, and I want to talk about it. Okay. So I don't know, like, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. So let, let's just say that we've got someone who we know from the internet who works for a federal agency. Okay. Well, we know a lot of people that work for a bunch uh-huh. of different federal agencies. Right. So yes. So the, yes. And sometimes they DM us. Sometimes they DM, DM us. Um. <laughs> I did, I'm going to read some of this because I think it's fun. And we're protecting the, the innocent, right? Like, right. I don't know how much additional info has been made public and is not my place to make it public. Okay, got it. Well, okay. Well, it's going to be public now. Well, sort of. But here, you know, um, our, the, our, the, the DM slider writes, in my opinion, I think this all comes <laughs> down to the I Was Poison website. Um, and, uh, you know, he... Uh, the 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 DMer says that they don't have a lot of faith in IWasPoison.com. Um, everyone, and I'll read this. Everyone thinks it was the last thing they ate, and every other submission was I was poisoned by Taco Bell after a long night of drinking. I ate ten tacos and I got sick. <laughs> um, he, you know, so so the the DMer says this this is all. So just, so just to be clear for the listeners who might who might not quite be following along, sorry, we are I'm, we're we've now we're not talking about infant formula anymore. No, sorry, we're talking about Lucky Charms. I, thank you. This is the Lucky Charm. <laughs> I put a chapter marker in there uh, when you edit this. Uh, there you go. So a, anyway, I, I I disagree. I didn't. I I kind of um, I, I guess I kind of ignored the DM a little bit. Right. Like okay. I said, there's yeah. a little, there's, I, I said, Hey, we heard some information about other stuff that's going yeah. on here, but I, I was, I, I, I'm going to, um, this is why we have a podcast. So we get to talk about this and, and DMR could, could have, have their own podcast and talk about this. Although it, as they say, um, I don't know how much additional information has been made public and it's not my place to make it public. So I do feel a little bit like I'm using our microphone to talk about something and, and this person can't, defend their opinion okay no so they could dm us again they could dm us again and 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 my guess is probably will but right i disagree i think mm-hmm. that the way that so so essentially the um the dmer says 
I was poisoned. It, it, this this is something that is not real. That that people are snowballing and flooding this website because it's they they think there's a perception that there's illness, and I I find that to be a very closed-minded approach to epidemiology because this is non-traditional. Using these signals, it's different than someone going to their healthcare provider with an illness and reporting the illnesses and th that there are limitations to both of these approaches. But I, I, I don't know. I found the tone of the, of the DM to be discounting that there is a potential signal here. And I do believe that there's a signal. I mean, I'm, I'm on the other side of this. I think this is something real that, that I was poisoned has picked up. Um, and, and so I, I just wanted to like, um, you know, this is an un unknown illness. Um, and, and, D and I'll just quote here from, from the DM, we will call it the, I was poisoned hysteria. Anyway, my two cents. And I just, I disagree. I think it's not that I think there is a, I think I was poisoned.com sees enough noise to be able to recognize when there is a signal. And this one seems to be a pretty clear signal. And certainly there's potential for snowballing, but man, it is, um, I, 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 I read this as, um, old, older established jaded public health people, not wanting to embrace messier signals and noises that they are not part of. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I'm fired up yeah. today, Don. No, like, and, yeah. and that, I think that's, I think that's a valid, that's a valid criticism. And, and I guess what I would say is, I think there's enough of a signal here to warrant further investigation, right? Yeah, and I think, and it is, it is, it's definitely not traditional food poisoning, right? It, yes. it, it does seem to me more like an intoxication, right? Because it is happening immediately, relatively immediately after consumption. It's not 24 to 48 hours. I don't think it's bacterial. And we've sort of covered this ground, I think on the last episode, right? I think it's probably chemical. It might be, again, there's a lot of disruption going on in the supply chain. So this might be something that is a result of that. It may be specific subgroups that are sensitive to this, Right. Um, I, I think it's worth uh, I think it's worth uh, further investigation. And I'm I, I I'm happy to be proven. I'm happy for it to be investigated and nothing to be proven. Right. Because right. that's right. why we do we do the investigations. Right. But but I do think um, and again, yes, I was poisoned. Um, dot com does generate a lot of noise, but I think Patrick is pretty upfront about that and and he's he's caught a lot of crap i mean you know for for what he's doing and because from traditional food safety people who say well how can you do this this is a website and there's a lot of people that you know reporting that they got sick from taco bell after drinking all night right like so there is a lot of that but but here's the thing that's all signal and noise together right and and the whole idea of these 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 approaches whether they're based on i was poisoned or they're based on twitter or they're based on other social media is that with the right algorithms you can actually pull signals out of that noise and so i'm yeah i'm uh let's just say i'm i think it's worth it. i i was happy to hear that there are investigations ongoing and yes uh, yeah and that's i think that's the the right thing that's the right thing to do yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I just, I want, I'd like, I, I want us to explore all the different avenues to find illnesses. 
right? Just that—that that was the. And again, I might have been just been reading differently into the tone of the of the message. Um, but but I I think it's I think it's important that all what like if this identifies something that we didn't see before, then like why wouldn't we use it? And I think the, the the answer is, well, we don't know that it's identified stuff that we haven't seen before. And there's been outbreaks that we know that local public health has used. I was poisoned to find traditional foodborne illness outbreaks before. So I think that that's not a, um, like a, a legitimate response. Like just, I, oh, I'm, I'm going to say something ugly just because, just because like a federal state or local agency didn't think of this doesn't mean that it's a bad tool. Mm-hmm. That and I and that's the way that not and I I'll, I'll say that I I don't want to be too too much on on this one um, DMer but I I've I've felt that way from other comments and others who have, who have sort of discounted this right like well this is not the way that we do it and how do we know that it's not it's like gosh how do we like it, it sounds like our system is so perfect that we don't need this or we don't need to think about other advances. And it's like, no, we, we need to think about lots of different ways to get more data into our data set so we can like see a bigger, clearer picture. And there's going to be noise. There's always noise, right? Like, so anyway. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say too, um, someone that, that I know who shall remain anonymous, ha- occasionally when we go out for Indian food, will within a very short amount of time, have the need to urgently get to a toilet, mm. right? Mm. Um, not every time, not every restaurant, but it's it's reproducible enough to say, oh yeah, that's a thing that happens sometimes, right? And so um, it, it's, and again, it's not, it's not traditional food poisoning. Um, there's no, apparently, I don't think there's nausea, there's no fever, um, but it is some sort of a food sensitivity that, can be, you know, extremely disrupting to your life. Now, again, is it the fault of the restaurant? No. Is it, is it some interaction between some specific ingredient and this person's bowel? I would suspect the answer is yes. Right. But uh, again, so I, the, these sorts of things can, can happen. Right. So. Right, right, right. Oh, sorry. I'm getting, I got fired up there. I'm fired. Yeah. Today I'm fired up, Don. I'm fired it's up. Okay. It's okay. It's, it's, I like the ones where you're fired up. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, um, so what else did I have in here? Oh, okay. So I'm going to, this is not food safety, but I read something this week that I thought was just, I want, I, I don't, you, it's, uh, um, the, uh, what, what am I going to say? Uh, uh, podcaster's uh, prerogative. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's a, that's a new thing, right? That I just mm-hmm. think it's our show. We can talk about what we what we want about on this. Have, have you ever heard of you? you you're in uh, um, you, you're in the world of um, uh, higher education, right? Correct. I am. I am. Um, so I read something about uh, this is on the Chronicle of Higher Education because it's because uh-huh. I read. I, there's some fun stuff there. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. This isn't about the gossip that we talked about. Um, that I said something about, this is about something that I think about from how this impacts our food safety world and our students. So Purdue university, land grant university, you know about them, right? You're, you're, I've heard of them. You've heard of them. They have a loan system that is based on post-graduation income sharing agreements. Do you know what that means? Does that sound, Ooh, does that sound, kind of, that sounds kind of sketchy. 
So um, I, I, we'll link to this. I, I just sprung this on you. It's, it's, a, it's a really an interesting article that goes through that. But, it's, but essentially, and I'll read from the article, depending on the major and earnings after graduation, a Purdue student pays between 1.73% and 4.97% of income in terms of 80 to 116 monthly payments, or roughly seven to 10 years. It's a lot of money, right? So for example, if they received $10,000 in aid from the program and go in to earn $60,000 um, or more on a 5% income share agreement, payments could add up to $25,000. So, so it's all, it's, it's like, Ooh. and yeah. So anyway, there's like, there's like a federal, I think it's a federal court case on this. That's, that's happening. Um, it's, but here's the food safety context, right? Okay. Very interested in it. Those who are sure. here for food safety talk. So I was at a meeting last week with a, a bunch of folks who are in the restaurant um, uh, world mm-hmm. and they were, I was one of the, I was the only academic representative that was there. And um, this is an advisory board for like a, let's just say a group of of restaurants. Um, There was a conversation about if there are data gaps that could lead to um, better clarified um, regulations for restaurants, like things like that you and I talk about all the time about the, in the food code. But if there was something that came up and said, okay, what have we worked with a university to fill this data gap as a group of, a group of restaurants? How much, like, how much does that cost? Like they were thinking about what are the resources that are necessary, um, for this? And I said, well, here's the situation. And I'll talk from my, my specific vantage point here. Um, you know, if it's a project that that is going to be robust enough to answer the question that you're asking, I, I think you need sort of two years of a master's student to, to do what you want to do. And two years of a master's student focused on your project is, you know, and, and I, I gave them what what my like NC State sort of costs would be, you know, it's it's around um Sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year between stipend, between equipment, um, supplies, tuition costs, mm-hmm. and there was some sticker shock. Oh yeah, in yeah. that conversation, right? And so it led to a, a larger conversation of like, how can that be? Like, why? Why is why is working with the university so very expensive? And so I talked about we're competing with other fields for really good students to do really good work, right? Like I would, I feel very, um, and again, this is my, my personal view on this. If I have a student who's coming into my group, I wanna make sure that I don't create have, haves and have nots with, within, my, within my world, right? So, so if I've got a, um, a USDA NIFA funded project that, that will fund a student for you know, two years or three years, I'm not, I don't want to bring another student in that that won't be um, that doesn't have a, a stipend at the same level that's not covering their their tuition, um, and that's that's something that I aspire to. It's not always been that way, but that's where really where I want to where I want to be. So for me to start something new, that's where I've, I've got to start. So that's the cost. Like we're paying mm-hmm. 
stipends, we're paying tuition, um, we're, we're developing, like it's not just about getting the work done, right? Like if you want a, a research project to come to be answered really quickly, that's about testing or observation, you know, there are ways to do that within a university, but using a graduate student may not be it. Going right. outside might be a different a, a different route, but, but there are benefits to, you know, having projects funded through university system, including developing the next generation of food safety professionals. So yeah. th like all of that, but I thought about like that sticker shock of that conversation. It's like, well, what are other models? Well, the other models are students are taking loans mm -hmm. and doing income sharing agreements and putting Ooh. themselves in yeah. debt to answer industry questions. And, yeah, I, and that's not right. It's cringy, right? That, yeah. Like to me, that's, it's yeah. really not right. Um, and I, so when I read this earlier this week, I thought about that and I was like, that's why, that's why I try to do the way that I try to do it. Yeah. And I, I do something similar, right? I try to fully fund my students with, um, a salary that, you know, this, the union mandated salary, which is probably good and it's good enough. I mean, it's enough to live on, um, and then tuition or mission and then supplies and equipment. And then if it's a federal grant, there's overhead, you know, so the university yeah. takes their, their cut of that. And yeah, I mean, I tell people, yeah, sure. If you want a graduate student to work on a project, it's going to take two years and it's going to take about a hundred thousand dollars a year. And, exactly. and th yep. then you find out exactly how serious they are. And that's like, well, okay. But if you want something different like, here, hire, hire a private lab, right? Yeah. Like if you're a New Jersey company and you need to have some work done, I'll work with you because that probably what the private lab won't do is design the experiments, but I'll design the experiments and then you can go have the private lab do it. And again, private labs are great because they're, they're certified like the university lab. We're, we're not, we're not certified. Like we, we, our results won't hold up in court. We don't, we don't follow, right. we follow, we try to have a good, good laboratory practices, but we don't follow official good laboratory practices. Right. So, so you don't really, I mean, so, but you enter into a you know, relationship with the university for a different reason. It's, right. Yes. Want it. and, and again, a lot of my colleagues um, for the same financial reasons have decided to fund their labs with postdocs. Right. Or well, to run their labs with postdocs. Why? Because a postdoc costs about as much as a graduate student plus tuition, right? And you're getting somebody with a PhD who doesn't have to take classes and they can work on the project full time. So why wouldn't you do that? Well, you you wouldn't do that if you cared about educating the next generation of food scientists, yep, right? Which is yep. which is I which I do. And I don't and I don't run, I don't have a technician in my lab. And and again, that would be nice, but if I had a technician, I would have to find their salary every year, right? Uh, and I don't want the stress of that. I want my lab to uh, expand and contract based on grant funding and 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 graduate students. So I don't want postdocs and I don't want uh, technicians, which means I got to run my lab on graduate students, which means we're not as efficient as we could be. But that's but what we're what I'm I'm not trying to be efficient, right? I mean, I'm trying to be efficient in terms of what I do and how I how I spend my day, but but I'm not I'm not optimizing my lab to extract the maximum value from the amount of dollars that comes in. I'm I'm running my lab because it's a training ground for for training graduate students. And yes, a byproduct of that is we do research and we publish papers and we we submit grants and. Sometimes we get grants and, you know, and all, all of that. So, right, right, right. And, and it was, it, what I thought was really great. It was a great conversation with these, with these restaurant folks, individuals, because I think some of them have, don't have that um, view of what, what it looks like within our system. And a couple did, right. Like mm -hmm. a couple were like, oh yeah, 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 no, this is exactly how it was for me. And 
in my graduate studies, you know, what one person had a situation where they had a, um, a dissertation, but then they did four other projects that were these sort of four um, support quick research projects that basically paid their stipend, allowed them to focus on something else as a fifth project um, for their dissertation work, which is one model, not a model that right. I really like. Um, that Well, and I shouldn't say that I really like, not a model that I would do because that stresses me out, right? Like the, the movement of um, you know, four or five different projects for, for an individual and not having their stipend attached to their major goals, mm-hmm. um, is it, it's, it's more stressful for me. Um, but there's lots of different models for it and none of them are right or wrong. They all have, they all have trade-offs, but I'll, I'll tell you when I read this article, I, I don't know. I mean, every once in a while you get a, um, a student who comes to you and says, okay, I want to join your lab. Great. Awesome. I want to join your lab. And if you don't have funding, I would like to pay for it. And I have real trouble with that for this exact reason, right? Like, like the work that they're doing, I don't, I, and, and I'm, you know, I, I don't want someone to go into debt and then work along someone alongside someone who is making money to do a similar, um, to go through a similar process. Maybe it's not a similar project, but they're going through a similar process to, and, and it's like, I, I just feel that like, I, I think I probably limit the number of people that I, have within my group because of that, because I don't feel good about putting someone in that situation, even though they might be passionate and they're fine with it. Like, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to be in that. Like, I don't want to be in the situation of um, contributing to someone's, you know, income sharing agreement. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it's tough, right? What if somebody that's already admitted to the program right? and they need a project because if they don't get a project, they're not going to graduate. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's a and right, right, right. Yeah. And the solution of course is to not admit them to the program, but that's, if they're already admitted to the program, that's not really a very helpful comment. <laughs> or someone who really just knows what the long-term output is, right? They, they know what they want to be and they know that they need to build their skills in this area through graduate school to get there or, or other ways. And so they're like, you have the, you know, you've got the stuff, I've got the passion. Let me, let me just be part of your group and you don't have to pay for it. It's like, oh, it makes me, I don't know. I just, I, I, it, 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 it's, it's tough, right? Because, because will they find another home? Maybe. Um, or, or possibly would it be the, I don't know, was it the right place for the things that they want to do? Maybe not. I don't know, but they're, but they, they've got the, um, the, they, they feel that they're able to pay for it themselves. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it makes, yeah, it's tough. It's real tough. And again, no, like no judgment on anybody who has those individuals or those types of students within their group, because just like Don and I are talking about, you and I are talking about it. It's hard. There's all these trade-offs in this. So higher education is well, tough. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, and it, and it's got and it's getting tougher, right? Like, yes. we have fewer support staff. We that used to be back in the day, graduate students would be supported on you know experiment station, 
uh, GA ships, right? Like back in the day, faculty had a GA they could count on and they had a secretary they could count on, right? I mean, and that's just, it's just gone away as, as we've continued to kind of erode away at this higher education infrastructure. It's not, not a great, I don't know. I mean, I, I did it, you know, 30 years ago and it turned out fine, but boy, I would be, I would be really, I, I have a lot of, um, uh, sympathy for people that are starting out today um, that are that are having to get into this this world. It's a it's a tough it's a tough racket. Yeah, yep, yeah, it is. It really is. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know what apparently is not a tough racket. Oh, what's that? What's that, Don? <laughs> being a political pol- being a political appointee Ooh, in a federal agency. That's a tough. Um, one. So yeah. did you <laughs> this. So we're, we'll link to this report. Um, uh, which is from the select subcommittee on cor- on the coronavirus crisis. Um, and I'm just looking at the, the front page. It's uh, former vice president, uh, Mike Pence, and former commissioner of agriculture, whose name escapes. So, Sonny, 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 uh, Sonny Bono. Um, no, it's a different Sonny. Sonny, Sonny Bueller. No, Sonny Bueller. anyway. Bueller? Um, uh, Sonny. Standing in front of a tray of a, a black and white photo of, of meat. Uh, and it says, now get rid of those pesky health departments, how the Trump administration helped the meatpacking industry block pandemic worker protections. Staff report, May 2022. Yep. Um, what, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this document, Ben? Well, um, Don, I like, you know, I like exposés and documents and, uh-huh. and there's a lot. So there's, there's 200, let me go and scroll to the bottom, 237 references in this that are emails. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this isn't like, I, what, one thing I think is important that we, that we set up here, this isn't like, okay, we talked to a bunch of people and here's, here's interviews, um, on this. There's a lot of documented, like, this is what it says in this email. This is what, right. what I said, here's a, here's a draft report. Here's something to think about, um, uh, you know, on this. And, uh, um, the title of this comes from, uh, an email from Ashley Peterson that says, I agree with you, Mark, now get rid of those pesky health departments. Um, and you know, this from a, um, this is a, from a lobbyist to, uh, to a couple of folks, uh, within the, the food industry. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess what, what I, what I see here is that, um, my takeaway is anything that happens in, in the federal government ultimately is always going to come out, <laughs> right? Like if, right. It, if it happened and it, it's been documented and it's in an email, someone's going to look at it and use it and they're going to paint a picture that's probably pretty not good or is going to be based on yep. what they what, like, what their view is. And the select subcommittee did, did that. And, and it's hard to argue with the emails, right? right? Um um, so, uh, you know, just like the, the, there's a lot of stuff back and forth between JBS foods and, um, and hospitals. Um, it, it, it was a, it was a really, to me, it was a really interesting read that, that makes me think it, at all times, right? Like I'm in the midst of a crisis at any point, I need to be thinking about how I communicate things and what my decisions are because, two years from now, someone might go back and look at my emails again. And, and that, that needs to well, play. Even, into, if, even if you use your uh, personal email, <laughs> even if I use my personal email, Don, even if I use the Gmail, 
Um, but, but I, I, or even if I use my cell phone and it's texts, um, but, but I think that it, and like, to me, that makes me think, am I making the right decision? Not, should I use my Gmail? <laughs> right? Like, how do I make this decision in a way that someone might not see it? So, yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of, I mean, the, my big takeaway from this, from this was there was a lot of pressure put on the federal government from the food industry to keep plants open that led to illnesses in the frontline workers. And the, it's, it's a, again, a trade-off like we've talked about here, the risk to those employees um, versus having food in, um, in, you know, in, in, uh, in grocery stores, but also people making money. Right. <laughs> like all of right. that. Um, yeah. I don't know. What were your thoughts? Did that, how, what did you think about this? Well, I, I would, it uh, makes me really glad that I didn't take a job with the Trump administration. <laughs> yeah. I don't Come know. On. I mean, I, you know, it's uh, it does not. So again, what we're just sort of dancing around here is our, our colleague, uh, Mindy Brashears, uh, who did take a job as under secretary of food safety under uh, the former president um does this not paint her in a very favorable light let's just say yeah. that yeah yep yeah. and and i know her like her name is mentioned like 68 times in this document um and basically she is the document paints her as this basically industry lackey uh doing the work of industry uh, yeah. not not serving uh consumers right and I'll, i mean i'll and, and and i think that this is like again, it's all all about how um, how things get get talked about, and you, you're in a situation where someone's you know someone can write a narrative here. But here's a like here's a good good quote here: March 26, 2020, Tyson lobbyists discussed various plans under regulatory scrutiny by state and local health authorities with an executive from a meat packing interest group, saying, "So far, we've been able to handle these situations, but at some point, we may need to get Mindy." involved if we are forced to shut down a plant. And, and, and I think about this in a way, like there are often times where we talk about, we know, we know Mindy, we know others at federal agencies, you know, there are times where it's like, oh, well, I might need to reach out to Frank to see what, you know, see what we can do here uh, in, in regards to, to Frank Giannis, not from a lobbying standpoint, but about something from a science or, you know, some, some, whatever, whatever the situation is. And, and it allows the, like, you don't know when you're in this position, I, I think you've got to expect that, um, that, that you're going to, there are going to be people that don't like you. And there are going to be people that do like you and that you're going to get pointed at, um, and, and, and all of your, all of your communication in your role is going to get used to sort of, um, construct a narrative. And I, again, I don't know, I like, it doesn't, it doesn't look good, right? Like it doesn't matter what, what the, whether it was how, how much of it is real or how much is a substantive, the narrative that's here with the quotes from documents, it doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, um, Foster Farms executive said that Brashears hasn't lost a battle for us in connection with Foster Farms effort to shut down regulatory attempts by a county health department in California. Yeah. It's yeah, a tough and, one. and and again, all of the all of the they're redacted, but all of the documents are available. Yep. And you know, if you want to look look at that comments uh, that comment in context, uh, you can you can look at the uh, you can look at the the scanned redacted email 
uh, where, yeah, where this person says uh, she hasn't lost a battle for us and your compromise is more than fair, right? And so this is, again, you know, I'm again, not to be apologist for, for, for these people, but again, it's, it's, a, it is a tough, it is a tough situation, right? Like we know, we know for sure that, that we had devastating coronavirus outbreaks within these meat pack, meat packing plants. And um, it looks like there were efforts, public health efforts to shut those plants down. And so figuring out, you know, what the, what the right solution is, um, where you're protecting worker health and you're, you're uh, you know, allowing the plants to operate in some limited way. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really tough. And yeah, like we know, you know, we know these people, um, yeah. but boy, yeah. I'm, you know, it's just, like I said, it's not, and again, it's a, it is a, you know, and I guess, and I guess that, I guess that's the thing, Ben, if you, if you, uh, you know, what is the thing about, um, um, uh, uh, laying down with dogs, getting up with fleas, playing with pigs in the mud. I don't know. There's some expression, right? Like this, yeah. this is politics, right? That, right. That, this, that, that, that job is a political yeah. appointment. That, and so lo and behold, that's where you're getting into. Um, that now there's politics involved, right? Yep. Because yep. this, this, this sport, uh, this, this report, um, is, you know, I mean, you can tell just from the headline is a very politically, um, um, oriented document. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I'll point, you know, the, the Trump administration um, had quite the record on public health political appointees, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, you know, so there was um, uh, Deborah Burks, uh, who was at the famous, like, uh, it, it's, you know, uh, Trump looked over to her and said, it's okay to ingest or inject yourself with what where we looked at the strong lights. We looked at and sh- shooting people up with uh, detergent and sanitizer, something like that. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, there, there was, um, you know, two years later, um, Deborah Brooks was on this book tour and she just got skewered by um, Brianna Keeler on CNN. I happened to be like, I think, so this was on April 27th, Let's, not to OPSEC myself. I watched this interview in a hotel room. Where would I have mm-hmm. been? On April 27th. Um, no, I don't know. Oh, I was in you, watched, you know you watched it. I, oh, okay. I was oh, with for, you uh, so Houston. For, uh, yeah. I was, yeah, but you yeah. weren't there. But I watched it, right? I so I, I remember yeah. watching it in real time thinking, oh my gosh, what like political appointee, you're, you, you, everything, like exactly the same stuff as we're talking about here with, um, with Mindy's situation. Like everything that you do is going to be looked at in a political shade. And so she said it was difficult being in the White House. Um, and, um, you know, like what she would, uh, so here, here we go. Um, uh, I'll read back, uh, back a little bit of quote. Cause I thought this was, it's, mm-hmm. it stuck with me. So Brianna Keeler said, so you talk about what you're doing privately, but that comes up completely in the face of what he's saying very publicly and what you are not necessarily saying publicly to counter what he was doing at the time, as it relates to, um, masks and, um, you know, other public health recommendations. And um, Deborah Burke's response said, well, you know that I had no access to the national media after the event of April 23rd. So I had to find another way to make sure my voice was heard. And Brianna Keeler says, yes, you did. You had access to late, na- uh, uh, late to national media. If you chose to speak to them, but you chose not to. And it's, it's like, yep. And you were, you know, you kind of yeah that's your, that again, that's your, your, the decision you make as a political appointee, right? You're, you, well, you and, and then, 
Yeah. And the next paragraph, right? I knew from experience, um, yeah. if I had done that outside the White House, I wouldn't be at the White House anymore. Correct. So, right. I mean, yeah. you know, I do have some sympathy for these folks, right? Because yeah. they were, you know, theoretically doing all that they could, right? While still trying to not piss off the former president, you know, enough so they could retain their job. So yep. it's, uh, yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. No, totally, totally agree. Um, anyway, but yeah, that's, that's a tough, it's, you, you, um, you, you put yourself in a tough situation and it comes with lots of, lots of focus, right. Once you're, once you're in that, in that world. And it's not something I've ever, ever like similarly. And, and I, I think about like lessons like this, it's not something that I would ever be interested in. Like, I mean, in one sense, I'm, I'm, you know, Don, my, my wife tells me I like to be in charge of things. (laughs) I think I've mentioned that before, but, but also like, I I don't want to be in charge of things with that, not like, it's not for everybody. It's not for me to be in charge of something as a political appointee with this kind of focus, because you're, you're in a, a, oftentimes a a no win situation, right? Like it's, it's very, um, there are always going to be people who, who are against you because you're appointed by the wrong politician. You're people who are against your decisions because that there's, you know, there are lots of things that are wrapped up into decision-making. Like it's a lot of it. So anyway, it's a, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough spot. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, I like the idea of, of, of having working for a federal agency. I like the idea of either being a political appointee or a non-political appointee. Um, but then I come to my senses. <laughs> I realize yep. I've got a, got a really, got a really sweet gig. And, um, you know, they, cause they, as I, may, I mentioned before, Ben, they mostly leave me alone and they let me do my job, which, uh, at the moment is podcasting, which is, which is a pretty cool job to have. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. Well, I think, I mean, that's all those. I, we get, went through everything on my list. Yeah, uh, no, I think we got, we got to everything uh, that I wanted to talk about as well. Yeah. All right, good. Well, I think that's, I think that's a show. Um, so uh, yeah, to, we'll awkwardly say goodbye now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bit that's the end of the show bit now it is um cool okay let's um
Let's look at when should we do this again? Okay. So how is the week of the 6th of June look to you? Are there any days that you are no good? Oh, that's the week I'm teaching the uh, challenge study class. Ooh, oh, in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Um, so is that like, is it out for the whole, I, I'm unavailable on the Friday. So the only day, oh. like, yeah, is your, and I assume you're back Friday. I'm in Arizona for after. Yeah. So oh, I'm are you going I'm, straight to after? Are you coming home first? What's your, what's your after situation? Oh, crap. Oh man, I didn't even look at that. Because that's um, on the twelfth, right? Like Sunday the twelfth, I think is when yeah, we do I'm, the podcast. I'm flying to Afto on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going in on oh. Friday because I'm teaching on Saturday. Yeah. Sorry, I just gave you one of those uh, dread dread darts. Yeah. No, it's it's fine. It's fine because I'm flying back from Chicago on Thursday. Okay. Um, be home Friday. And, and uh, but what I gotta do is I gotta just I haven't called the kennel yet. Uh, I just gotta not pick the dogs up on Friday uh, and just leave them at the kennel basically um so you're flying out on to chicago on monday though Is monday that like, yeah. yeah yeah okay so that's that, that's out um i could do um well here's the thing you just put you just oh but the following week is after yeah but i'm and i'm back on wednesday like we could Trying to think when's the best way to do this. I've got I got a faculty search. Yeah, I'm uh, coming back on Thursday though. Oh, okay. You're gonna gotcha. So so the the I could do the Friday the 17th. Okay. Could you do so I um I could do Friday the 17th. I've got I'm wide open. I've got a lab meeting, but I can move that to a different time. Okay. So just tell me when you want to do it. So, okay. I've got, this is, I got to work through this in my head. I've got FSIS coming to do a site visit on our observation project from nine until three, Ooh. but well, I don't need to be there. I, I just need to drop in. Right. But okay. I, the only other thing I have is I've got a CFP committee meeting at one. So we okay. could do like, I could do my drop-in from nine until 11 and then record from 11 to one and then do my meeting. That's fine. Or we could, we could record three to five. Yes. Or we could record three to five. Yeah. 11 to one or three to five both work for me. Okay. Let's target 11 to one. Cause that makes, that's the best for, for my situation. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, what is this? Oh gosh. All right. I, and now I get all these like fun. Now I have, I have administrative problems again, Don. Oh no. Well, I'll just like, you know, like unallowable charges and we need justification and, um, folks that are that don't want to be part of something so i will no it's okay it's my this is the see like a political appointee this is the life that i have chosen currently yeah that life of an administrator yep um 
Okay. Well, I think that's it. So I'm I'm good. I got this. I will uh, do the the show notes. I'm away this weekend, so I'm going to try and do do all the edits before I go. And I might schedule it to post like on Tuesday next week or something like that. Okay. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Tuesday. <You too>. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you later. Is it only Tuesday? Uh, all right. Uh, something like that. The, all right. T- TGIT. Yeah. Uh, all right i'll talk to you later all right bye-bye